Welcome to Rocketman Explores, where we voyage forth and delve into the world of sci-fi. But wait a minute! I'm sure we're all thinking about all the repulsive monsters that constantly seem to pop into our news feeds every day. But we're not going to talk about those. Myself and some of our friends would like to talk to you about other repulsive monsters. The repulsive monsters of fiction. Hello, hello, uh, ladies, gentlemen, everything in between, and those of you who are sort of in the midst of figuring all that out, and welcome to a very special episode of uh, Rocket Men Explores. I hope you're all doing well out there in this, the slow roll apocalypse of 2020. Today, we are going to be doing a special one-off spooky Halloween episode, where we are going to be exploring the uh, repulsive monster event. And I'm not just talking about the politics of the world, but actual disgusting monsters. So... Apropos of most of our episodes, I'd like everyone, if possible, to get themselves a drink. And we have a particular drink for this episode, which one of our two guests today, who I'm sure all of you know from his arguably uh, and much better produced than this podcast, his own podcast of Smark and Friends, Zach. So, Zach, why don't you tell us uh, what we should all be drinking today? You know, I want to, but you all roasted me before we went on air for my drink so like i feel a little put on the spot i must say but i will play along i'm i'm also going to say i take exception to you saying that my program is better you're selling yourself far too short sir but either way well what i'm drinking today i called it a cider it's just something i always called it but all it is is just fresh apple juice with some rum in it yeah that's that's my secret recipe you know what? In today's quarantine times, sometimes simple drinks are best. So rum and apple juice, I'm for it. Listeners, if uh, any of you guys uh, want to partake with us, please pour yourself out, uh, you know, whatever measure of rum you feel appropriate. And uh, yeah, come and join us. Now, even more exciting, Zach is not the only guest we have today. We, in fact, have a returning guest who is a bit of a monster herself, although definitely not disgusting, but not quite human either. It's, of course, our resident trouble, Alexa. Hey, Alexa, how's it going? Did you just call me a monster? Well, I mean, you know, a, a tribble's, you could argue a tribble's a monster in a way. Not all monsters are bad. I mean, I guess, I guess, thank you. But hi, nice to be here. Um, I'm happy to be representing the monster population um, while we discuss repulsive monsters. Yeah, the uh, repulsive monster event. That's what we're doing. Great. The RME of RME. Yay! <laughs> Alexa, I don't know about you, but I wasn't expecting us to come on air and just have Connor roast us for like the first like five minutes of the show. Zach, I feel I that we've been friends long enough that you at least should have expected that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess this is just how he treats his guests. It's a, a welcome with a side of insult. Only the most illustrious. Oh. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're each going to describe a particular repulsive monster. I think we've all prepared three each and sort of what we think makes them particularly disgusting. And at the end, we'll sort of go through it and decide which one out of the nine is the absolute most heinous of them all. So uh, if you, you know wanted to hear about some absolutely horrifying and vile creatures, then uh, this is the place to be. So uh, enjoy. Buckle up. It's going to be fun. And I guess I'll go first. So my first monster is going to be from one of my all-time favorite films ever, 
And that is The Thing from The Thing. Anyone who has seen this already knows why it's the most repulsive monster. But for those who haven't, the very short synopsis of The Thing, the monster, not the film, is that The Thing is a creature. We don't know what it looks like. We never see it. For all we know, it doesn't have an actual form itself, but it can replicate any creature that it touches and copy any creature that touches. But the stages that it goes through to get there are absolutely disgusting. It's the movie is a masterpiece of physical effects. And over the course of the film, you see this thing take on some truly, truly heinous forms. It becomes the very first time you really see it. It's a mix of melted dogs and like carnivorous plants with tendrils with goop flying everywhere and just general horrifyingness. It only goes from there. It becomes alternately a man bites a man's arms off with like teeth coming out of its torso, grows spider legs out of another guy's head and like runs away, becomes just like melts into various terrifying forms. And the whole time it's goopy. It's got liquids coming out of everywhere. It's just, it's disgusting. And what it does to you is disgusting. It takes you over completely. It completely copies you. We don't know what happens to people copies. They die, but what happens to them is sort of left fairly ambiguous. It's it's just all in all a horrifying and disgusting monster, both physically and like psychologically. That's a good it, one. I'm assuming, maybe I'm assuming it correctly. I, oh, Zach, I'm sure you you saw the thing, right? Of course, of course. Yeah, Alexa. I actually haven't. I had to go Google it while you were talking. I have not seen it. I highly recommend it's. It was panned on release at the time, but it's truly one of the best like science fiction films released in terms of uh, a for the absolutely crazy physical effects, but also like the tension of the movie and the atmosphere of the movie is second to none. It's brilliant. It's a friggin' really? fantastic. It's a fantastic, fantastic film. Worth worth. I mean, yeah, absolutely. As you were talking, though, I was just realizing how many sci-fi TV shows who have like different monsters every episode have used something not quite that extreme, but something very similar to this. Like I'm pretty sure the X-Files and also um, Supernatural had like things and monsters that would, they were like shapeshifters, but they were like, sh like shapeshifters of humans. And then it, it always, so like they would they take over the other person and then like they would always, the way that they changed would always be so disgusting and like, They'd be shedding chunks of flesh and like, yeah, so it sounds similar. This film definitely influenced like a yeah. lot that came after it. Like it's, uh, yeah, it had a big effect on a lot of, and a lot of like, in particular, and a lot of special effects guys. That influence like really prevails today because like the thing, of course, it had like that whole mystery element of them trying to figure out who the, uh, who the monster was at any given moment. And, you yeah. know, like the biggest game right now is uh, is Among Us. Everyone's yeah, playing this game, Among Us. Exactly. Uh, Connor, are you playing this? I am not okay. playing Among Us, but I, I've seen, like, I've seen enough gameplay of it. I saw AOC play it a couple of days ago. And, yeah, you're right. It's exactly that to the point where I'm pretty sure one of the maps is, like, an Antarctic research station even. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, like, the biggest map. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, it's, like, pulled straight out of there. There's a thing picking them off one by one. Nobody knows who's who. Nobody knows who to trust. Yeah, you're right. That basically, that game is almost essentially the thing, the game, to a certain extent. The, like, the imposter, the alien or monster that takes over people and can mimic them and you never know who that is. That's, 
yeah. mean, the list the list of shows and t- and movies that have done that and games that have done like it's pretty extensive you know yeah i mean i got to acknowledge it itself isn't an uh, original it's originally based on a novella from like 1938 and then there was an original version of the movie in like 1951 but just the effects it just wasn't there. It, uh, Carpenter's mm-hmm. version is far superior. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. my that's my first disgusting monster. It's uh, it's I mean, pretty solid pick. It's pretty disgusting to start off with. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm gonna pass this over to Zach. What's your first disgusting monster? I'm leaning into another classic of horror films. I'm going with the Brundle Fly. Of course, coming from the Fly, Seth Brundle. He comes to us from David Cronin. Berg's uh, masterpiece flick, uh, The Fly, played brilliantly by Jeff Goldblum. Brundle himself, he's a brilliant scientist making advancements in the field of uh, matter transportation, and when he finally feels like he's overcome the last hurdle of his research, he attempts to transport himself, his first living creature transportation, but what he doesn't realize is that an ordinary housefly has entered in one of the teleportation booths with him. When he comes out of the transportation, uh, the teleportation, I should say, uh, he feels like a changed man. But while those changes are kind of positive at first, slowly but surely those changes become a little more aggressive, uncomfortable, and uh, not easy to watch. Throughout the remainder of the film, Brundle continues physically transforming into what he calls, he starts referring to himself as Brundlefly. Uh, that manifests in him losing his fingernails, his his skin boiling over, and uh, and the, the coup de gras here, the corrosive stomach vomiting, which he uses to digest his food. Pretty gross, all in all. Transformation it concludes at the very end of the film, where he finally becomes a full mutation, this absolute grotesque creature. And of course... He's more man than, than fly, and he's just sitting there begging for a merciful death, which is, of course, given to him by uh, by Gina Davis. Great film. But all in all, physically, the Jeff Goldblum turning into the fly, it's not easy to watch. It's quite disgusting. And again, right down to the fact that he spits out corrosive vomit to, to digest his food. It's something. It's something to watch. Yeah. I mean, I have not watched this movie, but I do know this because Connor wrote a story from the other perspective for 2028. Yep, the story of the fly that turns into Jeff Goldflume and uh, (laughs) the the horror of that. (laughs) I would assume it would be equally as gross to watch both transformations. Probably, just on a much more smaller scale for the fly. It's it's suitably horrifying. I mean, Cronenberg's a master of body horror, and that's like the one that really sort of solidified that. I remember when you explained uh, your pitch of the fly that turns into Jeff Goldblum to me. I was actually like quite surprised that parody doesn't already exist. I know, right? Like, you would think that seems so ripe for parody, and like you just ma- you just like knocked it out of the park with that one. Mm. Yeah, yeah, go figure. Yeah. But everyone, go yeah. back and check it out. Yeah, flies inherently are just like pretty gnarly, and his all his transitions and such are just really, really gross. Ugh. Yeah. Very solid yeah. choice. Very solid choice, Zach. Yeah. I'm Googling images of all these things as we talk, and yeah, they're just all really gross. Yeah, really, yep. really they're pretty gnarly. So again, yeah, The Fly, another one you should get around to seeing at some point. Also, also yeah. pretty good. I feel like I'll space out these recommendations, though, if they're all this gross. Like, I might take a, I might take yeah, a break. Yeah, you don't, like don't want to <laughs> dive into that all at once. That's probably yeah. for, the, for the best. Yeah. And I guess with that, it's, uh, it's over to Alexa. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my first monster is actually the one that I thought of when I first pitched this Halloween special idea. So we're going back to my favorite, uh, of course, Buffy, not Star Trek, Buffy. And the monster's name is Balthazar. So I'm assuming no one will know that <laughs> off the top of their head because it's not a major monster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But Balthazar is like third season, and it's a one of the vampire like monsters for that's only there for one episode. But basically, like if you are trying to figure out what it would be like, just picture Jabba the Hutt, but like he's just stewing, like he's just in a a pot, like a stew, <laughs> like in in liquid all the time. So he's this like huge vampire, and he just sits in a pot. And he has minions, and their entire job is to keep him moist, which is just, uh, there's a clip online that you can go check out, and it's just him demanding that they keep him moist. And apparently when I looked into this, it's a little bit of a knockoff of a uh, vampire from Blade, even in the way that they, they get killed. And at the end, he gets electrocuted, because of course he does, because he's sitting in a giant tub of water. It's like the easiest way to kill someone. One yeah, of the vampires just, and just throw a toaster in there and he's done for. Yeah. But I mean, the grossest thing for me is just really the idea of like flesh sitting in water always. And just like the reality of what that would mean. He'd get pretty gnarly. Like, yeah. yeah. It's just gross to think about. It's just think about all those folds of skin being constantly kept moist. Lovely. You're welcome. <laughs> As I take a sip of my drink. Yeah, enjoy. <laughs> All right, well then, I'm going to go on to my number two. We're going to the realm of film again, and we're going to the Kevin Smith classic Dogma for the Golgothan, which is a literal shit demon. It is a, <laughs> a, a demon made out of shit. The idea is that the fields where the Romans crucified everyone, including Jesus, was known as Golgotha, where mostly it was thieves and criminals and such were all to condemn death by crucifixion. And they would, when they died, they would all release their vows, and that that horrifying collection of excrement and such formed itself into a Golgothan, a shit demon. And it comes to kill the Bethany, who is the last descendant of Jesus Christ, last sign in all our movies' heroes. It emerges out of a toilet, kills a bunch of gangbangers and then fires globs of shit at our heroes, but is uh, it's wiped out by Silent Bob who sprays air freshener at it that says knocks tough odors out and promptly knocks it out. But yeah, it's disgusting because literally it's a giant ambulatory walking pile of shit. I mean, you don't, you don't get much more disgusting than that. That's like pretty straightforward. Yeah, like uh, I think seeing a pile of shit walking towards you and then also having it fling shit at you would be disturbing. Yeah, yeah, it's no good. Nobody's happy about that. It emerges into this movie through a toilet. It emerges out of a toilet to come and kill everybody. Just of to you know, that makes, add to that. I mean, where else would the shit monster live? It would come no, from a toilet. Yeah, correct. Yeah. It's a good dramatic entrance. Yeah. 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 All righty, Zach, on to you. Okay, my next one uh, comes from the world of Doctor Who. I am uh, talking about the Raxacorico Phalipatorian, though they're better known as the Slitheen. 
they're bipedal egg-laying creatures uh, with uh, somewhat comical proportions in their head and their limbs. They're often green, but sometimes orange. Now, in their natural form, uh, they're not particularly repulsive. In fact, uh, you know, they have an infantile face and like these little pot bellies. They're they're borderline adorable. But when they get disgusting is when they're trying to infiltrate the British government, the Slitheen compress their bodies into human skin suits to disguise themselves as various high-ranking officials. Now, compressing their large frames into much smaller frames uh, results in frequent releases of flatulence. Uh, for a better part of this Doctor Who episode, we're referring to aliens in London, the Slitheen derail a high-minded sci-fi franchise show, a full adventure, and turn it into a frat comedy where the, every punchline is the flapping of the bowels. Um, so, again, while they're not particularly repulsive in sight, they are repulsive in demeanor. And that's why I think the Slovene have their place in uh, the repulsive monster designation. I mean, that is fair. That it, It's a good point to, like, juxtapose how gross a monster is to, like, the class of the the show or the movie that it's in, you know? Yeah, that episode annoyed the hell out of me for that exact reason. It was just one long fart joke. It's yeah, like, yeah. The hell, guys? <laughs> <laughs> like, you do, it's not what you expect from, uh, from, from Doctor Who. No. Yeah, so, again, not particularly repulsive, but just gross. <laughs> I mean... I mean, repulsive has lots of different meanings, and I mean, it stuck, it stood out to uh, Connor for how much it annoyed him. So, I mean, it could be repulsive in that way too. Correct. As an idea, as a story plotline. Yeah, and like, I, I think there was opportunity to like turn that into satire, but like, just like the execution was just a little weird. Like the, particularly the actors. And I don't want to like name name them and throw them under the bus or anything, but like, it was just rather than, I don't know, making a whole political satire about, like, the officials. It, like, I don't really know why they were government officials when they could have just been, you know, like I said, frat boys. So do you think that it would have been better if it was just, like, frat boys? For the well, I joke? think if... <laughs> I think if they... Uh, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous, but if they did a more direct link between the politicians and the farting itself, if there was like a more cohesion in these two themes, I think there could have been some, uh, some solid satire there. <laughs> I mean, I can jump into my next monster and keep going with this toilet humor or like toilet related monsters. Go for it. And this is going to be my big finish, but Connor kind of <laughs> took away that thunder because my next monster is Milo from Bad Milo. Does anyone know that reference? That's no, not really what that is. So Bad Milo is a movie from, I think it was first released in like 2008. And it is a horror comedy about a man who is very stressed out and has intense stomach pain, goes to the doctor, they see a polyp in his intestine. And then that polyp eventually manifests itself into a tiny little and like anal dwelling demon that when he gets very stressed out he shits out and then that demon goes and kills whatever is stressing him or tormenting him so he kills a co-worker he kills a boss he kills a psychiatrist who was helping the main character's name is, is duncan 
Uh, Duncan works through his father issues. They look into like mythology because apparently this is a a common thing in mythology. And they Duncan finds out that the best way to tame it or to stop it from killing people is to befriend it and develop a relationship with it. And so he calls him Milo. So his anal dwelling demon is called Milo. And then he finds out at the end of the line too that that his dad also had a demon. So it's apparently like inherited in the men, the male line, bloodline of his family. Uh, and I think at the very end of the movie, not to give away spoilers, but uh, his wife is pregnant and then they find out that his son will also have a intestine demon. So it's a little bit like the poop demon, but I mean, he's actually kind of cute, I will say. But it's really just more of like the the concept of it that he's li- he's like a a manifestation of like stress gastrointestinal issues. It's just <laughs> that in human form. So that's fine. <laughs> that's uh that's suitably deranged. I like it. I mean, it looks like a pretty funny movie. I it's also on my list, but uh, just the concept of it is very very funny. That's and a great for, concept. Yeah. <laughs> The, the the deadly stress shits. All right, last round. <laughs> okay, so I'm moving uh, away from films and into the realm of video games now. My last disgusting monster is from Bloodborne, and it's called the Orphan of Kos. Now, the Orphan of Kos is the uh, we don't know if it's I can't say son or daughter or whatever because we honestly don't know what it is. It probably doesn't have a gender, but of one of the old ones, which is sort of a Cthulian style, like great elder gods, uh, Koss. And Koss is dead, and the orphan, you come across its dead body, and the orphan sort of essentially slivers, slithers its way out of its mother and promptly attacks you. And it attacks you, it looks sort of like a wizened ancient man, but about 10, 12 feet tall with like strange fish bones all over him. And he attacks you with his placenta, which has not yet dropped off. So you spend the entire fight with this thing getting wailed on by this that by something that literally just crawled out of its mother's vagina and promptly tries to beat you to death with its own placenta. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> oh, that's that's wonderful. Yeah. That's, um. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, it's it, it's a hell of a game. I highly recommend everyone try it. There's some pretty crazy shit in it. <laughs> I just wonder how good a fleshy sack, for lack of a better way to describe it, is to beat someone. Like, it doesn't feel like it's hard enough to beat someone. I mean, with. we don't necessarily know what it was made of, considering it's it's like, you know, it's an elder god in a different plane of reality. And also, the sack is like six feet tall, because he's huge. Oh, okay. Okay, so we're talking more size than, like... I mean, anything that big, you could probably beat someone with it. Exactly. Yeah, it's about the same size as a person. So, uh, yeah, you could you could definitely bludgeon somebody with that. Sure. You could take a really, really fleshy, soft person and, and beat someone else with them. For sure. Correct. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it makes sense to me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well. <laughs> that, so that's my final entry. Uh, onward, Zach. Okay, well, um, you know how the second round had this whole theme of of battle monsters i'm i'm a, i'm sorry to disappoint this will not have any kind of like placenta related theme going forward uh, I, 
I of course can't speak for Alexis Monster, but uh, if if so, like I'm breaking the chain here. Anyway, I actually did kind of break the rules on this one because uh, this isn't a sci-fi or horror monster. Um, this is a very common real-world bird that I want to talk to you about today. It's called the Shrike. Have either of you uh, heard of the Shrike? I I know what this sick motherfucker does. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I don't. I'm very excited. Okay, so most species of shrikes are they're distributed in the Eurasian and African regions uh, with with two species breeding here in North America. Now, the name shrike is troubling enough because it alludes to their their shriek like call. Uh, but the shrike is also known as butcher birds. The shrike, it's between six and ten inches, uh, and its eating habits, this is where it gets very vile. Uh, the shrike will capture insects or small rodents or, uh, and other vertebrates. It'll fly them to any sharp point, be it a thorn or a barbed wire fence, and impale their prey. This helps them tear the, tar- the carcass into smaller fragments, uh, but it also serves as storage if the shrike gets full and wants to return to feast more later on. And it gets more fucked up than that, because many species of shrikes are monogamous breeders. Uh, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about their courtship uh, ritual. Males will attract females to their territory with well-stocked caches of dead things that he's caught and maimed, as well as sometimes other decorative but inedible colored objects. Uh, It really brings the shrine of carnage together. And further into the courtship, (laughs) the male will perform a ritualized dance, which includes actions that mimic the skewering of prey on thorns and feeding to the female. If the male has fully satiated the female's bloodlust, she will stay with him and they will go on to be natural born killers and they will create a whole family of like-minded sociopaths. And, uh, you you know, there's this conspiracy theory that birds are not real and the Shrike makes me wish that is true. So that's my case for the Shrike. Yeah, no, Shrikes are the serial killers of the natural world. I mean, I, I, okay, I, counterpoint. I do, I do see where you're coming from. But counterpoint, they also just seem really smart. Like, that seems like a smart way, like, it's just like a nifty, like, storage. Well, what, what Zach hasn't said is often the things don't immediately die when they impale them, and they just leave them there anyways. That's a, yeah, I. Not great. That's That's not great. Yeah. yeah, and, like, their intelligence doesn't particularly make me any more comfortable about it. <laughs> like, if anything, that just makes me more scared of them. I mean, I guess it's just that, like, I'm comparing them to, like, other predators who will also, like, kill their prey not all at once. Like, sometimes they'll just eat them alive. So, I mean, in my head, it's not that much different. But the one thing that I'll say is that these guys are tiny. So kudos to them for finding a way despite being kind of tiny. Like that's what, yeah. that's what's getting me yeah. on their side. Although <laughs> not great. Not, also, if I ever went on a date with someone and then they're like, come look at my impaled things. I feel like <laughs> I would, that'd be a red flag. Yeah. That's a fairly serious red flag. Yeah. That's uh that's when you run. <laughs> I think it's too late to run. I think that when you're there and you're looking at his impaled things. It's too late to run. You're, it's done. You're, you're, it's too, yeah. 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 Anyway. The um, shrink. <laughs> also, like, I do kind of like that it's close enough in name to Shrek. 
extra that also is like an added layer <laughs> that I like. What the oh, that's, that's the other thing. They fucking love Smash Mouth. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Monsters. That does make them a monster, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I will uh, throw in my last monster, and then we can we can take a vote. I also sort of went against the the at least a little bit of a um, different interpretation of a repulsive monster. My last one is Randall from Monsters Inc. <laughs> the reason why is just that he is repulsive, like just as a character. He's just a really slimy, creepy character. And for the record, I'm talking about Monsters, Inc. I know that Monsters University has, like, other backstory, but I'm talking straight up Monsters, Monsters, Inc. original, where he's just, like, the creepiest person, the kind of person that you don't want to find yourself alone in a room with. But the creepy thing is that you never know if he's also in the room with you because he can just be hiding. So there's that. There's the fact that he moves like a centipede which i just have had too many experiences with centipedes and they're just so disgusting the way that they can like just move and just all of it is gross he's like that but also just like as his personality he took the like whole premise of scaring kids that you had to like put in the work and he was literally just going to take their screams by force which is super repulsive and disgusting um, and the last thing is just, he just seems like the most repulsive coworker to ever yeah. have to deal with. Like he cheats the system. He does overtime, like, because he wants to, because he wants to cheat the system. He's a terrible coworker. He's a terrible boss. So that's, that's my case for Randall being a repulsive monster. Nice. I like it. Yeah. But seriously, I didn't realize until I looked back at this, that he reminds me so much of a centipede and it's just disgusting. Everything about it is disgusting. Anyways, so that's my last one to add to the list. All right. We're going to vote, but we're not going to vote for our own things. So I'm going to vote for Balthazar because he's like, just the image of him is disgusting. We don't talk about it. I know it's his belly button, but it looks like he's got like sort of a strange like stomach vagina rising up out of him. Like, and he's just, he's, it's just, he's just nasty. It's so I'm, I'm throwing my vote in for Balthazar. I need to come back to this. Uh, what's the name? Evil Milo? Is that the name of the the bowel My- stress monster? It's just, it's just Milo from Bad Milo. But Mad, okay, yeah, Milo it's from Bad Milo. Uh, again, like I've been looking at pictures. You know, it's it, like I love the uh, the concept. I I am enthralled, and I I kind of want to see this. So uh, curiosity is what kind of wins my vote on this one. Uh, Milo is my disgusting monster. All right, that leaves me, and I, I, I'm torn. I am a little bit torn. Um, I'm gonna talk through and, we'll, and see which one I want. I'm gonna end up on. I, because I mean, like, the Shrike is is pretty great. I'm surprisingly a big fan of that little tiny sociopath. But also, <laughs> the, shit, the shit monster, the shit monster that throws shit. It's sort of like the epitome of disgusting. I think while I, I have deep love and appreciation for that little, like the nature's tiny, tiny psychopath, I think that it, just like on the basis of being repulsive, I'm going to go shit monster. What was the name of that shit monster? The Gol- Golgothan. Okay. The Golgothan. That one gets my vote. Okay. So we have, so we have Milo, a shit monster, 
we have Skullgothin, another shit monster, and then we have uh, Vampire Stew Balthazar. Does anyone have a case for which one of those should be the the, the number one? I don't have a case for who should be number one. I feel Milo should be number three because ultimately, although where he comes from is gnarly, the thing itself isn't actually that gross. It's kind of cute. Fair. Okay. That's fair. Fair enough. So now we're down to Vampire Stew and Ship Monster. That's that a tough like one. It. That's a toss-up. Uh, is a tough one. Between the two of them, and I say this as, as the person who had Milo voted out, I understand. But I'm gonna go with the uh, I'm gonna go with the the Ship Monster. I think that's the way to go in this uh, most disgusting creatures. Yeah, I think that I'm going to second that one. I mean, even though Vampire Stew was my, Balthazar was my monster, I think I got to I got to give it to the, the ship monster. I mean, yeah, if we're going for a very literalist interpretation, it's sort of hard to beat. Yeah, it's hard to beat something literally made out of shit. That's that's a tough one to top. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there okay, you go. there we have it. There's no shame in this loss. Uh, I, I'm proud to see the, the shit monster take it. It was tough to beat that one. But let's give props to all of these monsters. Tough competition. Everyone was, was well chosen. Yeah, this was is well uh, chosen. the cream of the crop. The cream of the sewage pot. <laughs> the cream of the vampire oh. stew. The cream oh. of the vampire <laughs> it is it's just so gross like I, I everything about that and like i just want to say for the record that it, like it could be misinterpreted that it's because he's like huge like he they described him as being morbidly obese but genuinely it is just because he's sitting in a tub if it was any size of like vampire who just lived their life in a tub and wanted to be kept moist just like the reality of flesh in water all the time is so disgusting. Well, there we have it. I hope that was uh, suitably edifying for everybody listening. If you guys uh, agree with our reasoning or disagree with our reasoning, let us know, please, on uh, any of the, our respective socials for Rocketman Explorers or for Smart and Friends, etc., etc. Tune in because stuff is upcoming. Season four, well, season four of the totality of the podcast, but season two of Rocketman Explorers uh, will be coming into your ear holes soon. And we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence. I could have gone with plagues and disease, but it seemed a bit too on the nose. So we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence. So uh, stay tuned for that, guys. It's going to be a treat. Zach, do we have anything upcoming with you? Well, I mean, this past month for uh, for Smark and Friends, uh, or as it's been called throughout October, the Smarky Horror Podcast Show, we've been uh, we've been having fun with that theme. We've been speaking with wrestlers who come from the darker uh, side of reality, so to speak. Spoke to Holiday at the beginning of the month. At the end of the month, I'm speaking to wrestling legend PCO. And when we did our trademark watch-alongs, which we had a lot of fun with, we uh, welcome guests when their various projects. We watched some uh, some more Halloween-themed matches, some more spooky stuff from the wrestling world, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Come November, we're going to get back to what we do best, and yeah, that's what's been going on in the world of Smark and Friends lately. Nice. Excellent. And, and on uh, TFGC side, we're very excited to announce that we have a new show coming out. Nice. At the end of November, Foul Mouth will be hitting your eardrums. As some of you might have heard in 28 and 28, we did a, a really great episode looking at Romanian curse words, and it was 
a delightful little meander through what swear words are in another language and when you translate them how delightfully strange you find out that their meanings are so we're carrying that on to multiple different languages so season one of foul mouth will be out end of this year starting in november so keep your ears and eyes open for that Great. So that's uh, that all sounds fantastic. Things to look forward to in this the slow roll apocalypse year. So uh, I just want to say thank you all for listening, everyone. Happy Halloween. And, uh, you know, have a great rest of the day, night or whenever it is you're listening to this. Take care. This has been a Two Finger Guns Club production. Pew, pew.